This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And everybody, this is a special edition of Cats and Cosby. Of course, Bo Snurdly is off, and huge news today. Um, and John and I are going to be talking about this. The big break in the case of the Gilgo Beach murders, uh, more than a decade since the bodies were discovered of all these women. And in studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We've got Ed Cox, GOP chairman and also former New York State governor, of course, David Patterson. And this is a blockbuster. By the way, uh, we have an action-packed hour here because we're going to have Professor Dershowitz in one minute joining us. Then we also have Nancy Grace, who is probably one of the top victims' rights advocates, and, of course, Fox host coming up. And we're also going to be talking to Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone, who just did a big press conference also talking about this case. And, uh, you know, Judge Weinberg, this is amazing what happened with this discovery. Uh, here it is so many years later. Well, it's a, it was a joint effort, I understand, between the uh, Suffolk County Police Department, the District Attorney's Office in Suffolk County, and uh, and FBI using their forensic and abilities. And state troopers, I understand, state were troopers. involved, too. Yes, yeah. state troopers. Isn't that amazing, John? Here it is. This case gripped the country. Well, they really wanted to get this guy, and they got him, which is good. Yeah, and uh, by the way, they got him through a lot of interesting stuff, too, John, too. His DNA thumbprint, and, yep. His DNA thumbprint was found on a pizza box that matched uh, the burlap bags that some of these women were wrapped in? Yeah, there was a DNA hair, actually. There was a hair that was wrapped around one of the women. I actually covered the case years ago. Um, and Nancy Grace, who's going to be coming up, the two of us were on TV wall-to-wall when this case was breaking. And right after this, right now the DA is in the middle of a press conference, and he may be calling us right after the press conference, so you're going to have more breaking news then. Yeah, we got was impressive in that press conference. Amazing. I have to tell you. Amazing. The details. Got and you know what details. it was? Shoe leather. to be looking at any notes, either. No. Amazing. Yeah. And you know what I call it? Good shoe leather. Like, you know, really, it, it was like sort of old policing because it was DNA. It was matching burner phones. It was matching these junk emails, following the guy to get a matching DNA with the pizza box that he threw out. Um, and his wife was out of town at the time of these killings. He had a car similar to what one of the victims had. Uh, it, it is explosive. A lot of different agencies were involved, but someone's got to be running the show to make sure it's all coordinated. It's just very well done. Very exactly. Well done. I know we're going to Professor Dershowitz, but just to uh, food for thought, it still is not clear to me what was the evidence that led them to him in the first place. Why did they? I understand. Uh-huh. You know, this thing has been going on for 10 years, uh, Governor, and I understand there was a lot of suspects, and the DA from Suffolk County that's in jail now was also, I think he might have been accused, I think. Yeah, there were a that, lot of that, allegations. That there, there was allegations going around 
that this guy was protected by other people. That's so why I wonder, I they wonder, thought he was uh, from law enforcement. Yes, and that, exactly. Right. And yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what came out a little bit ago, John and, too. And, and the guys, uh, Frank Morano might be on later. And I understand Frank Morano and Frank McKay were pursuing this and making all. Frank McKay was making all kinds of accusations, and I don't know what the truth is. The truth is, I don't know what the truth is. But I think uh, now they're going to they're going to find out. Yeah. And one of the victims, by the way, John, uh, an attorney for one of the victims came out today. First of all, obviously, they're relieved to see that somebody's caught. But the next thing out of their mouth was there may be somebody else out there, too, which was interesting. So there's there's a lot to this. Well, joining us now to talk about other cases, including the cocaine that was found at the White House, but they can't figure out who and a whole bunch more is Professor Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz, thanks so much for joining us. Well, this is a good day for justice. You know, if they found the right person. Truth, justice and the American way. (laughs) Say it again. I said truth, justice, and the American way. The American way. Look, we have to, he has to be presumed innocent. He most likely will plead guilty and try to come up with some deal. I don't know what kind of deal you can make when there are so many potential, um, so many victims. And the presumption of innocence obviously doesn't operate outside the court. It only operates in the courtroom itself. And so it seems to me like today was a good day for for justice and, you know, uh, technology. I just teach my students years and years ago, you want to be good lawyers, You everybody knows the law. You're not going to be better than the next lawyer by learning the law better. Learn technology, learn DNA, learn probability theory, learn science, learn all of the stuff that most other lawyers don't know. That's how cases are going to be won today. And um, I think, you know, we're going to see more and more of these cases solved by science. And I think it sends a very strong deterrent message to potential killers you're going to get caught. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But you're going to leave around tra- traces. And you don't even know how to control what traces you're going to leave around. And they're going to catch you. And that's a good message to send to potential criminals. Absolutely. By the way, Professor Dershowitz, I wish the people that were investigating Gilgo Beach could uh, give some advice to the people at the White House. Because after well, just a week and a half, they gave up on the cocaine investigation, you know? which is shocking because you have to see whether there were any fingerprints, any DNA left behind, any photographic evidence. Remember, people just don't walk into the White House the way, you know, you walk into a supermarket. You have to be checked in. I've been, obviously, we've all been to the White House uh, many times. It's the most secure place in the world. How they can't figure out who was in that area and that location during the relevant period of time escapes me. Um, so I think they gave up much too quickly. Yeah, I think so too, Ed Cox. Yeah, they don't even know which location it is. It moved around to three different places. That's crazy. Someone found the evidence, uh, the cocaine. It was someplace and some worker would certainly you put them under oath and they will tell you where they found it. Yeah, it's not some, uh, It's I had people on the show you know, well, at night saying job, Barney Fife. Job, <laughs> you yeah, know? The job of the Secret Service and uh, Ed Cox would know he was part of the uh, uh, the Nixon family, uh, is to protect the family. Now, the question is, are they, should somebody else take a look? Or is it all done around? Well, who else takes a look? The FBI? Well, yeah, the FBI, I mean. How about well, well, some people are suggesting the DEA because it was a drug. Obviously, it's a Class A substance. So it is yeah, an illegal let's drug. Let's take a reality check. 
Who is going to go against the Secret Service? Not the FBI. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And that's the sad Let's reality, go John. The next thing with Alan Dershowitz. We uh, have so many things to right. talk about. Alan, it's Richard Weinberg. There is noise out there now that the Attorney General of the United States, uh, Judge Garland, is going to allow the local U.S. Attorney in Delaware, Weiss, to go before Congress and testify. Have you heard about that? Well, first of all, the Attorney General of the United States does no power to prevent uh, somebody from being compelled to testify in front of Congress. We have a separation of powers and checks and balances. Congress has the ultimate authority to decide who to call. And, you know, there's a tradition that you don't call people involved in ongoing investigations. It's only a tradition. And uh, there's no reason why Congress can't call uh, those folks. And, you know, there's a lot of people Congress can call. I think Congress can call the people involved in the investigation of the leak in the Supreme Court about the overruling of Roe versus Wade. Absolutely Congress correct. can play a very important role in overseeing what's going on in the Justice Department, the FBI. The American public does not today trust law enforcement. Now, when it comes to what went on in the White House, it may ultimately require the appointment of a special counsel because if you have conflicts of interest, the Secret Service is designed to protect the president. And here, if they find certain things, it won't be in the interest of protecting the president. The attorney general is appointed, obviously, by the president. And so when you have at least some suspicion that there may be some involvement in some family members, and it's not beyond suspicion. It's just suspicion today. There's no evidence of it. You know, the possibility of special counsel is out there as well. It can't be special counsel appointed only for some things but not other things. And so um, I, I think this should not be the end of the investigation. This should be the beginning, the end of the first phase, but the beginning of a more general investigation. So, Congre- Professor Edcock, so Congress can uh, uh, call people to testify, but why do they have to come and can't they delay it and put a lot of friction in the system? So that's why you need the cooperation Department of Justice. It's better if you have the cooperation. There's no question about that. It means they won't appeal it. They won't challenge it. But ultimately, Congress will win if there is a challenge and they will get to be able to ask a U.S. attorney whether or not he was told expressly that he could take the investigation beyond Delaware to California and to the District of Columbia, and whether that was undercut. We have conflicting testimony on that. We have the Attorney General of the United States essentially saying he can go anywhere he wants and he'll get my complete cooperation, and I will make sure that the U.S. attorneys in California and D.C. cooperate fully and allow him to take the investigation there. And then we have indications, at least, that maybe that didn't happen. Well, you know what? Well, I can't wait. Of an investigation. No. Professor Dershowitz, I can't wait because next week the IRS whistleblowers are going to testify. yes. And, and then, they'll show yeah. themselves publicly. And the other one that we yeah. have to talk about is uh, uh, Garland didn't deliver by 5 o'clock, but I understand he's negotiating. Yeah, that's what he's saying, that uh, that Weiss, it looks like, at least David Weiss, who's the well, key but to, guy. But to Professor Dershowitz's point, what is there to negotiate then? If well, I, it's, it's a matter of convenience. It's a yeah. matter of it's easier to do if the Justice Department... Cooperate. So I'm in favor of negotiation. But in the end, I think Congress has to play hardball with this. And look, thankfully, the framers understood this issue and they created the first system in history of checks and balances and separation of power. So the government, whoever the government is, doesn't get the last word. You have one house of Congress controlled by a different party and they have the right, the power and the responsibility to look at the government 
And that's what they're doing. And we should, as Americans, all be proud of the fact that the system of checks and balances is working. We might not be happy with the result. If you're a Democrat, you say, oh, my God, what's that Republican Congress doing interfering? If you're a Republican, you know, you might say, what the hell is the Justice Department uh, covering up? But we have checks and balances and nobody gets the last word. You know, when Tocqueville was once asked who has sovereignty in America back in the 19th century, he said the process, the checks and balances process. That's sovereignty in the United States, unlike any other country in the world. All right. Well, Professor Dershowitz, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Enjoy the vacation. Thank you for coming on during your vacation. I appreciate it. Thank you. And by the way, of course, the other big story we've been talking about, this big break in the Gilgo Beach murders, uh, the suspect arrested just a few hours ago. And joining us now on Cats and Cosby is probably the most renowned victims rights advocate in the country, uh, the host on Fox Nation, my dear friend, Nancy Grace. Uh, Nancy, welcome to Cats and Cosby. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I wish you were better, under better circumstances, Rita. I'm torn between being elated about the arrest, which has been a long time coming, and rehashing the facts of the horrible murders of the victims. And what we are learning about the alleged killer, Rex Pureman, is very, very disturbing. I've been combing through some of the evidence that we now know that the new district attorney who launched a new task force and was always uh, making comments about why hadn't this case been solved. Well, he got in there, he formed this task force, and the case apparently is solved. And why do I think it's solved? Uh, Unless I find out something very different, unless some defense attorney can explain to me why humans wife care. That's right. The alleged killer's wife hair is found on three of the dead bodies. His DNA is found on another victim's body. His vehicle, a Chevy Avalanche, was spotted at the scene. Uh, He matches a description that one witness saw with the victim before she vanished. And not only that, a prank call made to one of the victim's sisters from his architecture office in downtown Manhattan. I mean, there's so much more. You haven't even heard about his gruesome Google searches. Wow. Wait a minute. Nancy, uh, this is interesting. You talked about the prank call. It begs the question, what took him so long then? Well, exactly, Rita. I've already brought that up. What took so long? Because calls can be traced. Now, here's the thing. The same burner phone, you know what a burner phone is, you can buy it at the grocery store, at the uh, Quickie Mart, and it's untraceable. It's not traced back to you. But the same burner phones were used to contact several of the victims. Many of them were on Craigslist. Now, his particular profile with his photos, his selfies, you know how Kim Kardashian takes all those selfies of herself in front of a mirror? Well, here he is in front of a mirror uh, taking his selfies that he uses for his profile on Tinder. And that is one of the ways that he was traced. These cell phone burners were connected to that profile, that cell phone burner number. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I'm especially impressed by the way they got his DNA. They've been watching and telling this guy for months and months and months. They got his DNA. Off of a pizza crust, they were watching him. 
They watched him when he throws the pizza crust outside of his New York architecture office, and they retrieve it and get his DNA off the crust and match it back to DNA found at the scene. What DNA? Rita, are you sitting down? You better lay down for this one. All right. They found a, a male hair at the bottom of one of the burlap bags. Uh, several of the victims were discarded in wow. burlap bags. There was one male hair at the bottom of one of these burlap bags. That hair matched back to the DNA on that pizza crust. Man, I'd be running up and down the courtroom with that DNA result in my hand. I'm telling you, that nails Nancy, it as far as I'm concerned. Nancy, what? John Katzmatidis here. I heard, you know, I live in Suffolk County on weekends, and I've heard so many stories about this guy uh, somebody, not this particular guy, but somebody was being protected. The former DA of Suffolk County that went to jail, uh, was possibly protecting him or some other politicians that he was, uh, was protecting him. Have you heard any of those stories? Yes, I've heard them. I've heard every single one of them. I've investigated some of them. The fact of that there was some type of misconduct among the police is entirely possible. Um, however, today, I'm focusing on this guy as the killer. But you're right, because the incoming DA was dumbfounded why an arrest had never been made in the Gilgo Beach killings. And I wondered that, too, with all the evidence. I knew about the prank call years ago to one of the victim's sister. And I, I was just very confused about how that call could not be traced. There seemed to be quite a bit of evidence that had not been marshaled. You know, when you go to trial, you get all your evidence together, and you catalog it, you prioritize it, and then you present it to a jury. It seemed as if this was just a big hot mess until this DA came in, marshaled the evidence, and started surveillance on Hewerman. Do you think we're going to get to the bottom of, of those people that were covering it up? Yes, I do. Now that we've got Hewerman, this is telling what? What we will learn. However, if it comes at the cost of a cheap plea deal, I wouldn't do it. I would not plead this out cheap in order to get some politician that's already gone to jail. No, forget it. No, I want this guy to be the max on every single case. And remember, so far he's only been charged. Right now he's been charged with six counts, three first-degree murder counts, three second-degree murder counts on three of the victims. I'm waiting for them. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find out if they're going to trace them to the other victims, 11 and all. Absolutely. Everybody, we're talking uh, to the great Fox Nation host and I think the biggest uh, victims' rights advocate in the country, Nancy Grace, my dear friend. Nancy, you know, what? tell us about this guy. Um, you and I have covered so many cases. In fact, Nancy, um, you and I, I remember, covered Gilgo Beach. I was out at Gilgo Beach covering the case yeah. uh, for your show. I remember you and I both out there, remember, covering it for your great show. Um, one of the things that's amazing to me, this guy also lives 17 miles from where the bodies were found. He knows the area, but he was also kind of hiding in plain sight. He was a well-known architect. Talk about it. He's a father, has two kids. He is a father. He's He's been called an everyday guy. Um, he's been married for many years. This is his second wife. Um, the wife was out of town when some of these murders were committed. A neighbor, another neighbor said she wasn't surprised 
Now, I found that a very wow. interesting comment. I he saw that, too. Talked. I thought that was really and interesting. It's because he always kept to himself, always kept to himself. Now, in my mind, what springs to mind as a comparison would be BCK, Bind, Torture, Kill, Dennis Rader, who had a wife, children, a deacon in his church. They didn't name him Bind, Torture, Kill for nothing. Right? He had a string of victims that he brutalized and murdered, but he blended in. And you know what? People always say, wow, I'm so surprised. This guy blended in. But look back at most of the defendants that have gone to jail. I mean, think about it. Chris Watts, killer. Uh, I'm just thinking about Ted Bundy, killer. You go on and on and on. They're not um, dragging one foot behind them with a hunchback and a dark trench coat. Many, many killers, if not the majority, blend in. Yeah. Absolutely. Think about it. Absolutely. Nancy Grace, we love you. Thank you for being here on this huge news day, my friend. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll leave you to it. Goodbye, friend. Thank you too, my friend, so much. And everybody stay with us because after the break, John, we have Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone with some more big scoops on this case that is gripping the country. Some big details coming up. You don't want to miss it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And this is John Cats and Katie's, and, and we're, we've been going through this entire uh, Gigolo Beach uh, situation. And uh, with us today is uh, the Suffolk County Executive, uh, Steve Ballone. And, uh, Steve, I saw your press conference earlier in the day. And uh, tell us what else you could tell us about uh, what, what's happening on this thing? Yeah, John, thank you very much. You know, look, uh, for me, I've lived this the entire time I've been county executive. I'm 12 years here. This really started uh, 13 years ago uh, with the discovery of uh, Melissa Bartholomew's body on December 11, 2010. And, you know, this is there's this is a case that obviously has garnered national attention. There's been a tremendous amount of uh, noise, conspiracy theories, uh, uh, but I can tell you that through it all, there has been a determination to stay focused, keep our eyes on the mission, make sure we're we're, we're giving law enforcement the resources they need ultimately uh, to solve this case. Now, there's more work to be done, obviously, here. But this is a a major step forward today. The arrest last night by the Suffolk County Police Department uh, in conjunction with uh, FBI officers of uh, Rex Uerman is uh, something that I think is going to bring closure to to three of these families. Uh, Hopefully there will be more um, in in the days and weeks and months ahead. Uh, But uh, the investigation will continue. But this is no doubt on uh, uh, a story that has, I think, captivated uh, people across the country um, and oh, caused this concern is to Long Island. It's been making national news. 
has been making national news and obviously concerned every Long Islander that there's an unsolved serial murder case um, right here uh, many, on the I South mean, they're shore. only accusing him of four murders, but they think it could be as high as 18? Well, it's three. Uh, he's charged with three of uh, the four original um, um, victims that were found uh, that were discovered in uh, 2010, uh, late 2010. Um, strongly suspect, uh, strong suspect in that fourth one. Uh, that case has not been uh, fully made yet. Um, but uh, and then there are uh, the other victims, total of of, of ten. Uh, Shannon Gilbert, of course, who's uh, the 911 call really started this this whole thing. So, uh, like I said, the case is not over. There's much more work to be done. But uh, in a case that's had its uh, ups and downs over many years and has remained unsolved for this long, today is a huge day uh, for Suffolk County, for Long Island, uh, and everybody who's been following this story across the nation. Was well, it true that we we heard that his wife was not? Uh Surprised or something? No, no. Or neighbor, 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 neighbor. Neighbor said he kept to himself. He was a little odd, you know. You know, it's interesting. This this individual is an architect. Um, it, you know, if you look, you, you've seen some of these past cases where there's an effort to really mask this this double life and and activity. You know, where the property, the home is pristine, um, and you know, you would look at it, you wouldn't think twice. That wasn't the case here. Um, you look at the house, you look at the property, it sticks out in that neighborhood uh, as, uh, you know, as, as not being up to par with the others. Um, so there really, there was that uh, disconnect and, and you, you are seeing neighbors making those comments now. And that, that happens sometimes where, you know, you're never going to assume you have a neighbor who is a serial killer. That's not ever going to cross somebody's mind. Uh, but uh, when something like this comes out, and you start to think about other things, you know, that's when people, uh, you know, make that claim. Steve, it's David Patterson. I remember interviewing you about this 12 years ago. Governor, yes. it's And it's been on my mind every day, every and day. Since one we, thing, though, that I kind of forgot, was the 911 call made by one of the victims? The 911 call was made by Shannon Gilbert, who was an ex- escort uh, down to Oak Beach and... um you know, she um, left the home um, and her body uh, ultimately was discovered a year later. Wow. But as part of that search, these other victims were discovered. Uh, and that's what kicked this off in, in essentially December of 2010, uh, almost 13 years You know, ago. Steve, wow. I have a quick question. Um, we just have a few seconds. That pr- There was yep. a prank call to one of the victim's sister, and they believe it yeah. was from him. What did he say on the call, and how couldn't that wasn't traced earlier? Yeah, um, th- you know, there's a cruelty there, uh, clearly, in this individual, um, obviously, with the conduct he's accused of, but, uh, you know, there's a there's a torture, there's a cruelty that uh, exists there, and I think more of that information will come out as the case proceeds. Well, thank you, Steve Ballone. Save September 7th this year, and uh, we got a big party coming. <laughs> we'll see you we'll there, do. Steve. And we'll see you there. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, stay tuned, everybody. we got the regular Cats and Cosby show coming up at, at 5.03, and uh, a lot more news. Let's take that break. 
With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back, and uh, this is our regular Cats and Cosby show at 5.03. And in the studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have New York State Chairman Ed Cox, Governor uh David Patterson and uh, Rita Cosby, myself, John Katzmatidis, and we've been investigating and talking about this whole situation with the Giglio uh, Beach situation. And we also welcome, welcoming AM 970 The Answer on the 5 o'clock show. Uh, and Rita, who do we have? Yeah, we've got uh, coming up right now Congresswoman Nancy Mace. And Congresswoman, um, of course, later on in the hour, we are going to be talking about the Gilgo Beach murders, arresting that suspect after so many years. Um, with you, uh, boy, the Secret Service suddenly, quickly, case closed after 11 days. I mean, uh, the contrast, we're, we're, wow. We're not interviewing wow. anybody. Yeah, not, not interviewing not, anybody. Not no. interviewing anybody. And Congresswoman, I saw you after your committee got briefed yesterday, and you were so powerful when you came out, and you said, you know, uh, what's going on here? Right. I mean, this is the most secure building on earth, and they can't find out who brought in a white powdery substance into the West Wing of the White House. Like, how does this even happen? And then we learned and find out that there were other drugs that were found at the White House twice last year that we were unaware of and didn't know about. Um, and it's just odd that every story that's embarrassing to the Bidens or to the White House or to this administration, somebody ends up lying. We were lied to about what Biden family members were there and were not there. <clears throat> but also, um, you know, with this situation, we never end up with any answers on any of and anything that we have when we have serious questions about the Biden family or the White House or anything nefarious that might be going on. You know, Congresswoman, um, to me, it is so uh, damning, I think, that there was an illegal substance brought into the White House and they don't really seem to care. They're not ruling out anybody, including the first family, which is which is also opens the door. They won't rule out anybody. They haven't, as to John's point, interviewed anybody. They keep changing the location. Um, it's scary. What if it was something else other than cocaine? And they don't seem to be have the impetus. They seem happy that it's case closed. Yes, they want to move on from this uh, and distract from this story. And that's why I, I think that the Biden and this White House want to distract from a lot of negative stories, which is why you saw him and the White House come out today or this week about, you know, getting a student loans just paid off magically. Wave a magic wand. And if you owe money, you don't have to pay it back, which isn't the American way. Yeah, that's for sure. So what can Congress do? I know that Secret Service briefed you guys. Is there anything you can do? Um, you know, some people are saying, well, maybe the DEA or somebody else can get involved. Is there anything that you can do or does that have to be initiated by the White House, which clearly doesn't, to John's point, doesn't seem to want to. Can Congress create a special counsel? Because certainly the Department of Justice is not going to go along with it. And certainly Secret Service is not going to go along with it. 
Certainly, these FBI is not going to go along with it. Uh, what can Congress do other than having their hands tied? They could have a select committee. We're we're going to have our hands tied on this one. And there are some things that we can do in terms of beefing up this the operational security of that specific location. And we talk. I talked to the uh, Secret Service about that yesterday in a classified setting, so I can't share it, you know, live on air. But there are a couple of things that they can do inside that particular location to make it more secure so that this does not happen again. We just can't have drugs coming and going from the White House. That that's, by the way, that's if we trust where it is. Yeah, but, you know, uh, that's where it was found. Yeah. Look, the mission of the Secret Service is to protect the President of the United States and his family. Ed Cox, you were a member of the, uh, of the presidential family. Yeah, you tell us you. the purpose I, of the I've Secret been in Service. there from the library where they said it was initially found that why can't uh, the, a congressional committee just call in the people who found it and ask, where'd you find it? Yeah, the I mean, EMS, someone did. It's the EMS, And to your point, Ed Cox, the EMS call that originally came in uh, said it was in the library. So, I mean, why not just call those people in, uh, Congresswoman? That's, it's a great point, Ed. Very simple. That's yeah. where you start. Well, there is a device called a library where they do a scan of the drugs um, and the problem with where they found it at the injury of the of the West Wing is the number of people that go by there just over the weekend would be over it was over 500 people and so just by that alone it makes it very difficult because we don't no one knows how long it was there was it there an hour was it there a week nobody knows and then exponentially you know there are thousands of people that go through that entrance every week well, that's that's interesting you just said there's another yeah. place called the library not just the library that is down on yeah. that right Correct. right after the south entrance and that yeah. is where that's what they meant by library i believe so so based on what we can acknowledge and where it was located is not the location originally when they said library was the library it wasn't the physical library location it was a device that they used to test substances and so but where it was found, there are thousands of people just in a given week that are passing through there. And it's just every time the Bidens are embarrassed, there's, you know, there's another story. You know, they're always distracting. It's frustrating because we never get any answers. We have all these hearings, all these investigations, and no one is ever held accountable. No one's ever fired from their job. No one's ever held responsible. It's just. You know, it's a different way of life, I suppose, in the White House than, and every, than everywhere else. Everybody, we're talking to uh, South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. Uh, Governor David Patterson has a question. Uh, Congresswoman, do you know anything about the other uh, drugs that were found in the White House over the last period of time? I know that two, they were twice last year. One was marijuana, and I can't remember if the second one was marijuana or not, um, but they did acknowledge, because I asked, you know, the question, when was the last time this happened? <laughs> Is this uh, something that happens on a frequent basis? And, you know, what sort of precedent's being set here? And uh, and they provided that information at the time, and somebody else put it out there. You know, um, I want to ask you also, because next week is going to be blockbuster, mm-hmm. uh, Congresswoman, because we know it that is. the IRS whistleblowers um, are going to be coming forward. One of them we've seen, this guy, Gary Shapley, um, and we had mm-hmm. his attorney on, and also is another one who's always gone by whistleblower X, and he is apparently mm-hmm. going to go uh, full face, testify before the American public. How powerful and do you think that's going to be? And what do you think we're going to learn? That's a big deal. Well, I think it has the potential to be explosive. And we just learned there were another, was another story about Romanian payoffs um, during a Biden's vice presidency this week. And I've got my reading uh, to do this weekend to prepare for the oversight hearing. And what I want, you know, Congress, no one 
in the country trust Congress. I think our approval rating is like 13 percent. And so don't take my word for it. Watch the hearing. Listen to the hearing. Listen to the whistleblowers and listen to the evidence that they bring forth. Don't trust us. Trust them, because there is a lot of evidence that we are putting forth. And I hope that the American people get to see every page of it because it's damning. This is going to be the most corrupt president in U.S. history based on what I the limited information I've seen so far. And there's a lot more out there. And unfortunately, I wish we could solve it all tomorrow, but it takes time to get all of the bank records for dozens and dozens of LLCs to get more whistleblowers. If there are tapes, where are they? Does the FBI have them? How do we get our hands on them to, so that we can show to the American people? Don't trust us. And, and, and you got to do it while you still have the majority in Congress. Yes, because we know, because we, we didn't have the majority last session, Democrats won't investigate their own. So, I mean, that's just, that's life right now. And so I want to get out the information so the American people can decide for themselves what actually happened. Well, we're going to be watching next week. Wow, it's going to be a bombshell, it sounds like. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Congresswoman. You sure will. Thank you. Thank you very much. And let's go back to Florida. With us today is the CFO of Florida, Jimmy Petronas Jr. And and he has so many things to talk to us about besides come on down. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take any more New Yorkers. (laughs) Now, uh, Jimmy, uh, you had uh, you were concerned this week. You did a press conference about uh, uh, the IRS. You did. uh, So where do you want to start today? So what we want to try to do is with the IRS, I think there's a lot of concerns when you have that type of a massive expansion of the IRS in the the Inflation Reduction Act, and it was no Republican support on it. There was a little bit of relief when they they carved back the debt ceiling. They shaved about $20 billion off it. But the business model that the Biden administration passed, they want to collect $200 billion in new revenue. And they intended to hit that number with an expansion of the IRS to the tune of, of $80 billion. So, you know, putting 80-plus thousand new agents uh, out in the field, it's a concern because I know how many people are moving here from New York. I know how many people are moving here from New York. We got 400,000 new Floridians last year alone. So, you know what? They're going to follow the money. We picked up $39 billion of new recurring wealth in the state of Florida. California lost $31 billion recurring wealth. So to pay for these programs nobody wants, they're going to, you know, supercharge the IRS. All I'm asking for is more, more transparency. So we've created a website for the public to report any engagement they're having with the IRS that we can turn over to Congress for their oversight purposes. Jimmy, it's Richard Weinberg. Isn't the real concern is you've put all these people on the payroll, some 80,000 folks, who have to justify their existence. So what are they going to do with their time and who are they going to harass? Isn't that the real issue? Well, well, Judge, that, but, you know, I'm human. You're human. We're all human. You know what? Different issues push our buttons. So we saw it with the Tea Party groups back in 2013 or 2015. They were targeted. You know, they were they were asking for phone numbers, records, they were asking for, and they were slow, slow walking any of their tax-exempt uh, statuses. And then when Trump becomes president in 2017 and we revisit that investigation, the IRS comes forth and says, yeah, we, we were targeting Tea Party groups. So, I mean, and it's not, a, it's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. You know, Matt Taibbi was a target. A number of these folks have been targeted. And all I'm, just, all I'm asking for is I'm up to live with these new laws. 
I'm just asking for transparency. So let us report back. And I think transparency is the absolute best disinfectant in the world. Yeah, just a coincidence, right, that uh, Matt Taibbi gets um, a visit from the IRS uh, right while he's testifying. I mean, is like, that, that, that is smart. You don't believe in coincidences? No. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I say bravo that you're doing this because people need to know. We are like, I, I mean, it is just, it's unbelievable that like the cases of late and the Schellenberger guy also got a visit. So it's like you got all these guys who are coming forward, like the whistleblowers and, uh, you know, people are just shaking their heads, Jimmy. A hundred percent. So, I mean, look, it is, it, it should, it, it should be a hundred percent in the wheelhouse. I, I believe in states' rights. So you know what? If if at the end of the day, I feel like I have an obligation to protect the, to protect the Florida taxpayers. So this is exactly what I'm trying to do. Is if you've got a problem, if you've been engaged by IRS and you want to share it with us, let us let us get the details. And then at the end of the day, there'll be oversight in Congress. We'll share the report, and the report shows a consistent behavior targeting certain profiles. Then you know what? Congress then can act on it. This is their agency to have jurisdiction over. Yeah, 1,000%. Uh, by the way, I, let's talk also about uh, AM radio, too, um, because uh, obviously we are continuing the fight to save AM radio. I know you've been a, a big supporter of that, too, Jimmy. So, I, you know, I, I did radio. Before I got into politics, I was I was a co-host on radio. Radio is wait, so wait, wait, wait. Was it as good as Cats and Cosby or not? A, no, not no, no, no. no. <laughs> I was doing cut to that question. <laughs> but 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 radio is so incredibly personal, it's intimate. People build their days around it. So there's there's the upside of of just basically basic life that that gets put together in a smoother way simply because of the routine that radio creates and stabilizes for us. But then you throw it at the time of a hurricane and the catastrophe hits and there's no power, but you know what works? AM and FM radio works. You put a couple, I keep a radio over my washing machine with batteries in it, and it's there. I check it from time to time to make sure it works because when power's out, I want to be able to know what the heck's going on. And you did have a lot of problems with electric vehicles in Florida during the hurricane. A hundred percent. And this is, this problem's not going away. You know, look, I, I think Elon Musk is the most fantastic disruptor, and I appreciate everything he's done to so many technologies and so many status quos. Um, but the, 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 the electric battery problem is something I think is still that's not fully baked. Uh, and you're going to start to see more and more. We're having a conference next year where we're going to touch on this and try to pick up some better practices, some better technologies. And we're going to force innovation into this, these battery technologies simply because of when they uh, mix with salt water, it's a catastrophic outcome. Jimmy Petronas, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, how do you say, come on down? Ella, Ella Cato. Ella come Cato. on down. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, y'all have a, hey just, let's remind you, I just want you to come down and enjoy the free state of Florida. God bless. Uh, <laughs> what a show off. Free, free state, no, no taxes in Florida. Show well, off. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Larry Kudlow to see how our economy is doing. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us today is Larry Kudlow, the country's leading economist, the number one show on Fox Business, uh, 
on uh, Monday through Friday between 4 and 5, and the number one show on Saturday mornings between uh, 10 and 1. Larry Kudlow, it was a complicated week. Tell us about what do you think of what's going on with the economy? Well, I'll tell you what, John. My favorite story is Hollywood going on strike. And the reason I love this story is the Hollywood Writers Union and all the technical people behind them are complaining about Bidenflation and that their real wages have gone down. Now, this is Hollywood, left-wing, woke, pro-Biden. They're going on strike. Their biggest justification is their real wages have gone down because of the inflation, even though inflation is cool. They're talking about the last couple of years. So I'm waiting for them to do a six-part series on why all Bidenomics <laughs> is a terrible idea, okay? Maybe they've learned something. And the other thing I like about this story is that Bob Iger, who's kind of leading the producers and the studio owners and the capitalists, he's complaining that the writers make too much money. Now, this is Iger, who runs one of the most woke corporations in America, Disney, Disney right? So Iger, really at heart, is the capitalist who's declaring class warfare against his own writers. So this is just a fabulous story, and we had a lot of fun with it on our show tonight. Well, I was listening, and, you know, I, I listened to your show between 4 and 5. That, that, that way I can uh, decide what we're going to talk about. <laughs> the other thing, John, that's kind of goofy is you, you've had a, uh, a very low inflation rate, and the leading indicators of inflation are all down, in, inverted yield curve, commodity prices. But, of course, the Fed is going to tighten two more times. So that's what they're saying. Uh, I think once, once at the end of this month and again in September. I don't know that they'll do it in September. But, so let me get this right. Inflation is down, but they're still tightening. I'm not sure I understand. I was with Maria Bartolomo on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I forget. And I, I, I said to all those people that were advocating, oh, yes, yes, we got to raise it again. I said to them, <laughs> Uh, six months ago, you couldn't dream that you only had three percent inflation, and now you 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 want to uh, you want to keep raising it, and and you know the banks are doing well, by the way. Chase Manhattan Bank, J.P. Morgan did uh, mm-hmm. made a, a great mm-hmm. earnings, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. Look, the the stock market has done well this year, and um, there's a you know a small but important minority of investor analysts who said stocks are going to continue to do well. And I think part of that is inflation is coming down. And I I think, you know, interest rates are going to slowly come down, even in the long end, no matter what the Fed does. So I think there's some positive things going on out there. The only trouble is, on the other side of the coin, budget policy is still very, very expansive. Um, the CBO came out with their numbers. The budget deficit is 150% higher than last year um, through the first nine months. And we're heading towards a $2.25 trillion budget deficit. And, of course, the culprit here is not revenues. It's overspending. And the point is you've got budget policy, fiscal policy is inflating with its spending. And monetary policy is trying to deflate with its tightness. The two of them should work together. And unfortunately, they're not. And that is a problem for the economy. 
Well, I told Chairman Powell on uh, on Fox Business the other morning it should go, it should go down a point right now to save our country. That's my opinion. Well, look, I think the optimal story here is the Fed should keep rates where they are and stop manipulating them. They should uh, continue to drain uh, from their balance sheet. But on the other side of the coin. You know, instead of spending more, we should spend less. Instead of regulating more, we should regulate less. Instead of taxing more, we should tax less. In other words, let's have some supply-side growth and then a stable, strong dollar. That's the key. And that was the magic of Ronald Reagan many years ago. And also, I might add, uh, Bill Clinton followed in his in his footsteps. But we don't have that right now. So... I think the outlook for the economy is very poor. Uh, I hope inflation stays down. I'm not sure it's going to stay down. But um, the stock market lives on profits. Profits look okay. So for the moment, we can all live happily ever after. And Hollywood's got to come out with their anti-Bidenomics. Uh, we we part, agree. Six-part series. We David agree. Lewis, David uh, what, Lewis can what, be the star. Which Russia and OPEC are trying to stir the pot and raise the price of oil, which will raise the price of inflation. And I guess that's... You think they can do it, John? I don't know. I'm they're not stirring sure they the pot. get away with it. They're stirring. They're not yeah. getting away because, you know something, uh, Larry, like we talked about the... At dinner, uh, they lie to each other. Right. You know? That's right. Russia, That's right. Saudi Arabia, they're all lying to each other. And John Kerry's going over to China to make deals that no one will ever know about. That's yes. maybe the scariest part of the story. The guy's a rogue. I mean, he doesn't report to anybody. He's a cabinet member who wasn't confirmed by the U.S. Senate. There's no accountability. Lord knows what Kerry is going to do or say in China. I mean, that's a bad wild card. What's Biden doing with the student loans? Oh my God! So they're trying—they're trumpeting now this thirty-nine billion dollars. The Supreme Court just said you can't do that. You don't have executive authority without congressional legislation, and they insist on it. Now they've got some income-based test. Eight hundred thousand people are see their loans forgiven. It is completely counter to what the Supreme Court just said, and then you can bet there will be lawsuits. I mean, this is the Bidens who love to talk about democracy, right? Here's the Bidens undermining democracy by undermining the Supreme Court. We have three branches of government. They seem to forget that. Larry Kudlow, I will be listening to you 10 o'clock tomorrow morning on, on WABCradio.com and 77WABC on your iPhone app worldwide in 185 mm-hmm. countries. Thank you, John, and the solar system. And the solar and the system. Way. Thank you so much, Larry. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well. I'm glad know. he included the solar system. I yeah. thought he was going to forget about that wow. for a moment 2. there. $2.25 trillion deficit. Stunning. stunning. And by the way, that we were, stunning. And at the end, he was talking about student loan. Did you see what was going on with the student loan today, Judge yeah, Weinberg? That's amazing. I, it makes your eyes bleed and your head explode. They have no regard for decisions of the Supreme Court of the United States. So they're trying to find a workaround and also not do the whole chunk at once. Do like sort of a big chunk now and a big chunk later. Um, also, um, in the House, too, also, we were seeing earlier today, they're passing. They passed the bill. Uh, this is the defense bill. So there's been activity on the other side. Explain that. They cut out some of the woke policies. Well, what they're trying to, they, what the Democrats were trying to do is allow people to use governmental money to go out of state from their bases to, uh, to have these transition, uh, operations as well as 
abortions. And the Republicans said, you're not supposed to have this part of uh, a defense bill. Defense is for defense is for defense. And if you want to pay for it, you pay for it otherwise, which is a perfectly credible, responsible position. Uh, I understand Frank uh, Morano is trying to reach us now. Uh, Perfect. I think we're going to have him right after the break, okay. I think, is the word. Yep. Let's okay. take a break, and then we'll come back with Frank Morano, who uh, knows a little bit about what's going on uh, from his friend Frank McKay. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Everybody talking about Gilgo Beach now that this suspect has been arrested. By the way, there's a story in the New York Post uh, talking about how this guy, the murder suspect, Rex Hewerman, was weird, was a big talker coming from people who knew him saying one person saying they weren't surprised he was arrested. Uh, well, joining us now is Frank Morano, of course, uh, a great radio host here on the overnights on the other side of midnight here on WABC. And Frank, you have investigated this along with your friend, Frank McKay. Uh, tell us what you know. Well, this is really such an interesting case. And uh, good evening, John. Good evening, Rita. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, great show so far. I've been enjoying the extra half hour all week. But it's such an interesting case from so many different perspectives. One, you really have to give hats off to the uh, relatively new Suffolk County DA, um, Ray Tierney, because this is a case that had essentially been an open case and unsolved for 13 years. Tierney comes in and says the first thing he's going to do is solve the Gilgo Beach case. You also have to give credit to the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, Rodney Harrison, a New York City uh, NYPD alumni alumnus, and the first thing he did was he said our focus is going to be on the Gilgo Beach case. And what these guys did, the DA and the new police commissioner, they did what was not being done in Suffolk before that, is they were willing to work with the FBI and work with everybody, state police, and really marshal the full strength of all these investigations into a, a task force. But here's what we know now. Rex Hewerman seems tied to what they're calling the Gilgo Four. That's four of the murders where they found the remains on Gilgo Beach. Now, that means that there are still uh, as many as six or seven other potential bodies that he has not been necessarily tied to or charged with. So one of the big theories in this case, as we've been covering on the radio uh, for the last three years, really, is was the Gilgo Beach murderer one person or multiple people? The fact that uh, they're not necessarily saying that he's tied to these other six or seven murders is an indication to me that there may still yet be other suspects charged in this case. And the other question here is, since Tierney and Harrison were able to solve this so quickly after working with the FBI is, why were the previous people in their jobs not willing to work with the FBI in a cooperative manner? Frank, What's going there, on? There, you know, you've been there with me and you've been there with uh, Frank McKay. There were so many cover-ups, the allegations exactly. of cover-ups. Uh, Governor Patterson, do you want to say something? Frank, I, I think that the reason that they charged in three of the four cases right now and apparently they will probably in the end charge all four is that these are cases that they think are slam dunks. After that, when they go to some of the other cases, there may not be the DNA. In other words, uh, sure. as time went on, maybe he got better at uh, the, the way he did the job. And all I'm saying is that um, 
I think it's 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 possible that they wanted to get out, get an indictment, get this guy behind bars. Uh, in his case, we should make an exception of the death penalty and then move on to the others. You know, very possible. You know, he very well may be responsible for all the deaths there. And you're right. He's only been charged officially with three, and he's uh, listed as a, a person of interest in this fourth murder, of the original Gilgo Four. Um, it is interesting, though, that uh, they were able to, with a fresh set of law enforcement leadership, uh, you know, solve this case so quickly. And to John's point about cover-ups and the history of cover-ups, one wonders if that was part of the motive for not wanting the FBI to come in. They might be fearful of looking at other things. We know the previous Suffolk County DA went uh, to prison, Mr. Spoda. We know the previous Suffolk County Police Commissioner, uh, Mr. Burke, he went to prison as well. And there's been a lot of corruption allegations with respect to both of their offices. So one wonders if part of the reason they didn't want the FBI sniffing around this investigation is because they were concerned it might lead to other things that were going on in Suffolk. Right. right. Now, was there a cover-up of another potential suspect of some sort, Frank? Well, th- that's a good question. That's been speculated about, and uh, no one no one knows, obviously. And the DA in the press conference that he just gave, along with the police commissioner, didn't indicate that. But um, but who, who knows? I mean, they did not say unequivocally that there was no other person of interest that they're looking at. They said this remains an open case and uh, that they were happy to get justice for the families of these of these three victims that w- were charged for Mr. Hewerman, but that they're still looking for more information. And the grand jury is going to continue their investigation with the use of subpoena power in the manner that they said was so effective in getting things turned around here. But, I mean, this really was a uh, perfectly executed law enforcement operation for the last 18 months and a really disastrously executed law enforcement operation for the last 10 years. It's really a a study in contrast. Yeah, and it begs the question, why, Frank Morano? I mean, it absolutely does. Like, you know, why would you not combine all the things? And, and Frank, I covered a lot of the uh, the Gilgo murders. I was out there on the stretches of beach. You could see where the areas where the bodies were found. This was an enormous case. It wasn't like, uh, you know, just some small case. This was a huge case that clearly uh, the past regime didn't seem to be focused on enough. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And as far as uh, Hewerman, the fellow that's been arrested here, evidently he was using seven burner phones. And one of the things they found on almost all of these burner phones was uh, child pornography. So while he's certainly entitled to the presumption of innocence, like anybody is that's charged with a crime, it's certainly not looking good uh, both from this perspective of the murders, but also, who knows what other kind of bizarre sex crimes he might have been involved in. Yeah, and the other thing, too, if you look at the even the history, uh, the kind of connecting the dots, they were saying that uh, one of the witnesses described at one point a big guy, uh, Caucasian, six foot four, heavy set. It's the guy. He is six four. Um, also, the phone records you talked about, there's this forensic with the hairs that were found uh, on the burlap that was wrapped around some of the women. I mean, there's some really strong evidence here. And again, it sort of begs the question. Uh, some of it was technology that wasn't available then. Sure. But some of the burner phone technology and cell phone towering, I've done a lot of stories on these. It was back then. It was available. We had Nancy yeah. Grace on earlier, and she said that his wife's hair was on some of the burlap. Exactly, exactly. So they had a combination of things where they were able to pinpoint. Uh, so what happened? 
Yeah, not only that, but apparently he had done hundreds of searches on Google for the Gilgo Beach uh, murder and different search terms related to that. So Hewerman was following the updates on this investigation very closely. And I'm sure you guys remember a few years ago, uh, they made a big deal that they had found a belt or something that they had uh, said was tied to these murders when anybody that's been following this case had said, you know, this belt was sort of, you know, meaningless and had nothing to do with anything. And you can bet that when they were coming up with things like that, he was probably breathing uh, a temporary sigh of relief, but uh, it was only temporary. So the unsolved murders, uh, do they have the same modus or not? Uh, there's one man involved uh, and there's one one child involved, the one that they refer to as Baby Doe. But the rest are presumed to be uh, sex workers, as uh, as is the case with the with the Gilgo four here. Uh, one of the one of the victims, a woman that they refer to as Peaches, they don't know her real name, but uh, she has got a tattoo of Peaches. So they call her Peaches. She's the biological mother of this uh, this child, Baby Doe. So. Um, most of them have the uh, have a similar modus operandi, but um, the the key thread is the the remains were all found in approximately the same geographic area. Any reason that the uh, who the man would have been in the situation, Frank? Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation, but there's only speculation, nothing definitive. There were allegations that he might have been someone that was involved in uh, some of these same uh, sex parties that were rumored to be going on uh, in Suffolk at the time. And uh, who knows, though? It's just speculation. I I, uh, I imagine, look, Tierney seems very determined, and he made no bones about the fact that, uh, that they're not going to rest on their laurels. They're going to keep going with the rest of these cases uh, to see where, where the evidence leads. So I imagine we're going to hear about this sooner rather than later. And it was also nice to see Harrison give – some credit to all the other investigators that work on this case. I know we've all... He, Rodney Harrison is a very decent guy. He was, uh, before Commissioner of Suffolk County, he was with the NYPD. What was he, Chief of Patrol? That's right. And he also gave uh, credit to Commissioner James O'Neill from uh, for some of the great lessons in policing that he learned from him. So that was wow. nice to see. And Commissioner Sewell also yep. got a, a shout-out from Ray Tierney as well. Frank, thank you. We love you. I understand you. Monday is going to be the day where uh, we're going to find out the new official police commissioner. Wow, that'll be yeah, interesting. Uh, it will be indeed. We'll be watching with bated breath. You guys sound great. Best show on yes. radio. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Frank. On the other side of midnight, the great Frank Morato. And joining us now is DeRoy Murdoch, conservative commentator. And DeRoy, um, we wanted to have you on. There are so many things going out there. One of them is this bill in California that's going to mandate judges to consider race when doling out prison sentences. That I mean, how is this legal or appropriate, DeRoy? Well, it's neither legal nor appropriate as it happens. Uh, I don't even think it's constitutional. I mean, let's start with the 14th Amendment, which says that people should be treated equally, equal protection under law. And if people are going to be treated differently because they look differently, uh, that seems like the Fourth Amendment's being violated. Uh, so you've got that problem. And then I'm sure it violates the 64 Civil Rights Act and probably some civil rights laws uh, on the books in California. And it certainly violates the moral principle that justice is supposed to be blind. Uh, Lady Hold Justice been wearing a blindfold. Breaking, uh, yeah, Calling in from the uh, press conference, we have uh, District Attorney 
Ray Tierney, Suffolk County DA, of course, talking about the Gilgo murders with the arrest just a little bit ago. Uh, Congratulations, District Attorney Tierney. Tell us about what's going on. Well, we, we, you know, we, we, uh, we had formed a task force in uh, January of 2022, uh, and we worked with uh, a bunch of state and, and federal partners, uh, and we were able to, uh, you know, uh, settle upon, uh, name a, uh, a suspect, uh, the defendant, uh, uh, Rex Sherman, for the first time, uh, and uh, we arrested him today and charged him with three of the Gilgo murders. Wow. Yeah, great. By the way, great work on your part, uh, Mr. District Attorney. I mean, really amazing. Um, what I want to ask you, too, is what do you think was the, the key that brought this together? I know, obviously, there was a lot of coordination, teamwork. You were at the helm um, and did an amazing job. What was sort of the evidence that you think just sort of kicked this into high gear? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, when you're talking about a cold case, uh, it's never going to be one piece of evidence. It's going to be a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, and when you have 13 years worth of stuff to look into, you got to look at it all. Uh, and then you got to, you got to continue to do search warrants and subpoenas and get more information. And as you get that information, that, that should inform your investigation. And then you follow it, uh, to, you know, its logical conclusion to the person who did it. Uh, and, you know, I think that, you know, we were really a, uh, able to do that where in the past, uh, you know, I don't think they got that direction. Talk about the, the trail if you can. I know there's a lot, but the hair seems really significant. The hairs that were found on the burlap and then you were able to connect it, uh, to the pizza, uh, that he threw out. Um, how long was that trail and also how important was that connection? Yeah, I think it all kind of fits together. So we had phone information that made uh, a location, uh, a very specific location in Massapequa Park, as well as a uh, location in Midtown Manhattan, very important. Uh, and then we had information with regard to a Chevy Avalanche. Uh, and once we put those things together, uh, that allowed, uh, and as well as the physical description of uh, the defendant, who's a very large person, uh, that allowed us to then get uh, a suspect and then use that uh, suspect to, to, to test those hairs. And, of course, we, uh, we were able to, um, uh, you know, be successful with that and get mitochondrial, mitochondrial DNA matches with regard to the defendant in one instance and his wife in, in, two, in two other instances. Uh, District Attorney Tierney, uh, were there people, you've been working on it a few years now, and you've been working very hard. You made a pledge to, to get this done when you were elected. Uh, were there people that knew about it in previous administrations and covered it up? I, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that. I think that, um, you know, I think that my, my team, uh, is, you know, we, we started the task force, uh, uh, February 1st of 2022. I got elected in January of 2022. Uh, and then, uh, you know, six weeks later on March 14th, uh, we, uh, uh Rex Sherman was identified as suspect, as a suspect for the first time. And from there, uh, you know, we, we, uh, issued 300 separate search warrants, subpoenas, uh, to gather more information, to try to put the case together, get enough information, uh, 
get enough evidence to charge them, uh, and that's what we did. And, and we were fortunate because we were able to wor work with a lot of really great people, not only in my offices, but with our agencies that we work with as well. D.A. Tierney, thank you for this exclusive uh, right after your, your uh, uh, big news conference. Big news conference, yes. And, and this is the biggest news. You've made nation nationwide news, uh, D.A. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank goodness also, uh, you know, obviously the victim's family is getting some, you know, answers courtesy of your great hard work. Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow, big, big stuff. That was really uh, powerful. Let's go back, if we could, to Deroy Murdoch. Uh, Deroy, sorry to interrupt you, but obviously huge news. That was uh, uh, huge yeah. news. Uh, we had breaking news uh, coming in from Suffolk County right after the press conference and and wow, th this took 13 years. 13 years. But you know what's interesting? Just to hear Ray Tierney um, saying that uh, they finally kind of got zoomed in on this guy. He said March 2022. And since then, it's been 24-7. Uh, and connecting, as we were talking about, Governor Patterson, two of the hairs tied to the wife of this guy, one of them, him, connecting through DNA evidence, uh, and just a, old shoe leather uh, work, Judge Weinberg. I, I want to go. Hi, DeRoy. I Welcome back. I just want to raise this issue. There are two issues I want to discuss with you. One was the uh, this proposed bill to uh, have judges mandated to sentence people based on uh, the the racial composition. And then there's another one that also shocked my conscience, which is that a principal tried to keep a kid out of school who was indicted for attempted murder and he was fired because he was trying to keep this kid out. And the reason the school board said that the principal had to be fired is because he was racially motivated because the kid who was the defendant in his attempted murder case happened to be a kid of color. What do you think about that one? Unbelievable. Well, first of all, congrats on the, on the capturing this uh, killer, at least alleged killer for now after 13 years. That's excellent police work. So, so kudos to the men and women in blue who made this happen. Uh, as for these other cases, uh, it is yet more examples of the left wanting to look at people's skin color. And what I find fascinating about the second case you mentioned, about the principal or the person at the school getting fired for trying to exclude an attempted murderer from the student body. How many times have we seen these mass shootings at high schools or junior high schools, what have you, have got a bunch of dead kids on the ground. And somebody says, why don't we do something? We know, why don't we look at this person's background and, you know, keep somebody with homicidal tendencies from coming in and killing, you know, five, five little boys and, you know, three little girls or whatever it is. Well, here's a perfect example of somebody who might have some trouble, might be unstable and maybe want to keep this person away from uh, potentially coming into the gun or, or, you know, a machete, whatever, and, and killing a bunch of people. And so this is exactly the kind of, preemptive action that we beg our school administrators to engage in and this guy does it and then he gets fired for it now this this uh it's, it's absolutely it's absolutely outrageous and the two by the way and the two people who were shot were school administrators there was it's not as if there was any doubt who was involved because mm -hmm. this kid was being patted down for weapons when he shot these uh these two administrators so they knew exactly what they were talking about and the school board says no problem why are you picking on this kid he should be able to go back to school wow. unbelievable unbelievable i mean this is exactly the conversation you don't want on campus a guy who's walking in with a gun who's already shot who's shot two administrators and i guess the idea is here well just put him back in class and you know give him some school books and and you know let, let's start the spanish so, lesson at 10 a.m. in the morning it's so, governor patterson margo says she hasn't heard you Oh, well, uh, listen, in a situation like this, uh, the defendant is presumed uh, not guilty until proven so. However, 
because of the need to protect young people, I don't see any way that, that they would do this. Wow. Deroy, your thoughts? Yeah, this is, you know, we, we want to keep uh, keep our people safe, whether they be at home or on the subway or sitting in, in classrooms. And if people, you know, if somebody's got a violent history and, as you say, specifically shooting at school administrators and a school administrator thinks, well, maybe I don't want to be this person's third victim. It seems perfectly appropriate to say, listen, uh, you know, you can't be on campus. If you go to your trial and you're, you're acquitted, fine, we'll bring you in because you're innocent. But let's at least wait till the trial is done before we put you among a bunch of kids who could be uh, shot, could be stabbed, could be beaten up, whoever else it is. And this is exactly the kind of behavior people say, you know, if, if you have somebody who psychologically has, has the psychological profile of somebody who might be violent, make sure to keep that person uh, separated from potential victims. This is we, what we hear after every one of these shootings. Oh, well, let's make sure it never happens again. It seems to me that that's what this uh, principal or the school minister was trying to do. And the person isn't even talked to or disciplined. The person's fired. So the message then is to other people like that. Hey, if you've got some violent kid who might come in and kill the students, don't say a word. You might be fired. So just let the kid in. And then one of these kids is going to come to school and uh, kill a bunch of people. And guess what? You know, we'll say, oh, why did it happen? And we're going to be right where we've been over and over and over again. Uh, horrible. And, and, and the same thing, I, I, I would point to the same example as that Marine that, uh, that, 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 that jumped in to help all those people in the subway. Right. It's That's like right. being punished yeah. for helping. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why would a future Marine do the same thing why if he's going to get arrested? I mean, we, we clearly see that no good deed goes unpunished. So why do any good deeds? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you you so much. Yeah, Deroy Murdoch, thank you so much. And we appreciate you hanging with us on the big breaking news, of course, today, too. Uh, Thank you very, very much. And, uh, John, coming up, we've got... Let's take a quick break. And who do we have? We've got Kimberly Strassel, uh, who wrote a powerful story about FBI Director Ray and uh, stonewalling happening in Washington. That and a lot more. She's got some big stuff. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, there was a blockbuster story about uh, the stonewalling of FBI Director Ray when he was on the hot seat in Congress. And our next guest wrote it. She is, of course, a great reporter there with the Wall Street Journal. But she also, by the way, has an amazing book. It's coming out on Tuesday. It's called The Biden Malaise, How America Bounces Back from Biden's Dismal Repeat of the Jimmy Carter years. And joining us is the great Kimberly Strassel. Kim, uh, take it away. Hi, it's so great to be here. (laughs) So, Kim, it's Richard Weinberg. So tell us, you said that Ray in his testimony seems to be oblivious to why the reputation of the FBI is in trouble. Could you explain that, please? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was really remarkable. Here's a guy who begins his testimony by chiding Republicans for asking them questions and talking about the hardworking 38,000 FBI frontline agents. I couldn't agree more. Those people work hard. What you saw in this hearing was how much it highlighted these scandals that they all come from the top. They all come from a leadership that decides to break the rules that everybody else has to follow to pull these cases into headquarters and then to do things that regular FBI agents and personnel couldn't get away with. And you saw that in the collusion case, the Russia collusion probe. You saw it with their decision to run their Mar-a-Lago raid out of Washington. You've seen it in terms of the senior higher people who were the ones that were directing social media to censor conservatives. And so if there's anyone who should be apologizing to these frontline agents and the average 
working Joes at the FBI. It should be Christopher Ray. You know, he seemed apathetic. I was watching the hearing, Kim, and he seemed like, like, you know, I know nothing. Almost the Sergeant Schultz, you know, I know nothing. <laughs> I, you know, that's yeah, what I kept no. hearing. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, it's I mean, remarkable. It- Every time we get one of these FBI directors in the hot seat, by the way, Jim Comey was a master of this as well. We were supposed to believe he was the smartest guy in Washington, but he couldn't remember what he had for breakfast the day before. Um, and these guys, they're lawyers. They're trained in evading questions, and they do it very well. Christopher Ray does it well, too. You know, Ed Cox, go ahead. Yeah, they, I mean, that's the way they're trained. They have their murder boards. They are, there's a lot of questions to put after. And you can move from Republican to Democrat to Republican to five minutes each. If you're testifying and each of those questioners want to make their own show for their local folk or for their own political purposes. So if you're clever and you're in the hot seat, you can you can get by without really saying anything substantive. And what about uh, uh, Governor David Patterson, since Margo hasn't heard a lot from you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh, sometimes what what I think members of the committee should do is cede time to each other so that when they get get some momentum going, you can keep the conversation going or follow up on what your predecessors said. Yeah, that's a great I could point. not agree more. They missed so many opportunities yesterday because of everything you just described. And as a result, we missed out on getting some answers to important questions. Oh, then I'm going to have to buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to buy your book. It's here. a fun book. It's a fun book, you know, because here's making the point. It's uh, making the, pointing out that there are some really weird similarities between the Biden and Carter years. You could almost say they're doppelgangers, but it's making the key distinction that that is totally unfair to Jimmy Carter because Joe Biden. Oh, ouch. <laughs> By the way, the gov is laughing. Oh, I, I, like the, I like the comparison with inflation, high interest rates, and a potential for a recession. Isn't that the same between uh, Biden and Jimmy Carter potentially? Yep. And what came after? Ronald Reagan. Exactly. And 17% interest rates. Thank you so much for Kim, coming thank on. you very much. We're going to have you, you back on. Under God bless you. you. Have a great weekend. And Judge Weinberg, have a great weekend. See, See you tomorrow at breakfast. breakfast. Tomorrow. And uh, Ed Cox, thank you so much. And you Governor uh, Patterson, uh, I'm thank- you know, Margo says thank you for saying a few words. <laughs> yes. Someone has to stay in the city with Mr. Cox this weekend. I'll be <laughs> We're going to miss you at breakfast. Rita, have a great weekend. I'll join you guys for lunch and dinner. All right. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.